lame. Are you ready to do Bond? Yeah. Now, before before we do Bond, we got to talk about this uh, Mixology app because everybody's yeah. been emailing us, have you seen it? Not only have we seen it, the guy who made it, is it Jay, Jay Thrash, right? Right. Did I get that right? Yeah. Sounds That's a cool name for a rock band. Yeah, it kind of is. So early on, before he released it, he sent this to us and said he was inspired by the he loved a big fan of bond inspired by the show wanted us to check it out so we checked it out it's a great app basically what this has he, he took that information from that that site that we talked about and then linked to a few weeks ago where the guy had the copiously documented every single drink right. that James Bond enjoys in all of the movies yeah. and he took, took it and he made it made an iOS app out of it it's a great app so it goes by movie. You can go by drink. There's a recipe for every drink. Did they did, he, did they get the Vesper right? Because I know you've got a special recipe for that. I think fundamentally, yeah. So anyway, during right now in the chat room for the lucky people in the chat room, I'm gonna I've got some. Uh, he sent me some codes to give away. So I'll be there dropping a few of them into the chat room. I'll also for the people I felt bad because it, you know not everybody can tune in live and listen live. So I will give a few of them away on the, my Twitter account, like maybe tomorrow, Thursday, the second. So uh, of June, which, which of Twitter June account is that? Dan D- Benjamin. D- I'll do or? them on Dan Benjamin. Just it's easier for me. So if you don't, you know, follow me there or whatever, pay attention. I don't, you know, probably sometime around like noon Eastern time is when I'll start dropping them out. So that'll give the non non live <laughs> people a chance. So check out that app. Maybe we'll put a link to that in the in the show notes. But all you have to do is just search for Bond Mixology in uh, the iTunes App Store. You'll find it. So this so now View to a Kill. Now first right. of all, we got to mention Bond is gone from Netflix now. Yeah, it's gone. Right, we're done. That the, the golden era is over. Right. Terrible. Well, what are you going to do? Seventy-seven days of Bond. They're over. Right. Hard to believe. I love. I gotta say, it, I love this movie. I loved it when I was a kid. Really, and I, I love. Really, I love it again. And I, really? I'm so embarrassed to admit that, but I'm. I'm coming clean. I really, I really despise it. I, I've. I think maybe it might be the. I now think maybe it's the worst Bond movie ever made. I didn't say it was a good Bond movie, but I right. do like it. You enjoyed watching it. I. It, is it me, entirely wrapped up in nostalgia? Yes, one hundred percent nostalgia. It is a terrible, terrible movie. Right. Everything about it is bad. Everything about it is wrong. There's right. there's right. so little of of everything that is if you've watched from the beginning of Bond till now if you followed along to this show, and shame on you if you haven't. Uh, but if you have, then then everything that that is Bond, everything that you would define as Bond, it, that is now gone from this. There is nothing. I, there is nothing left. That's you know what Dan. That's why I like doing this show with you. I think that's it in a nutshell. I think you just nailed it. You just you just took a a. a a fastball inside knee high, and you just you just hit it about five hundred and fifty feet. <laughs> the way I would put it is, you know, those games you play as a kid where you start with the word cat, and then you're allowed to change one letter at a time, but it has to be it has to be a new word. You can't go in, in and so you go yes. cat to cot, cot to cog, <laughs> and then cog to dog. Right and now, you've changed cat into a dog one letter at a time. Uh, I feel like this is the completion of taking out everything that I really like about yeah, the Bond. Yeah. And, it, and in the Moore era, it was 
And then we even said it when we first started, like with Live and Let Die, you could see Connery in that movie. It wouldn't have been a good one, and there were certain things that would be different, but you can imagine Sean Connery in that movie. You cannot imagine Sean Connery in this movie. Just no can't. way. No way. The music is so bad. I watched it with Jonas. And, and so, I mean, number one, it just seems ridiculous in hindsight. I mean, and I've watched these movies start to finish once before, and it never really stuck out to me before, that it's skiing once again. Once again, skiing with Russians with machine guns chasing them down the mountain. I mean, this is, it's ridiculous. It is absolutely ridiculous how many times Roger Moore ends up uh, being chased down a mountain with skis. Well, technically and, he's snowboarding this time a little bit. But it, and they've already done the best one. The best one is clearly the spy who loved me. Yeah. Where he goes off the cliff. Yeah, after a, it, that, after that, you say, you know what? I'm done. I'm not, I don't need to right. ski anymore. This is the right. best skiing you can do. Because done. it's done. It's done. You know, yeah, it, you'll never beat that. Nobody will ever beat that in history, in the future history of cinema for, for a skiing chase scene because it was so clearly done practically that there was no computers, no, no models, that that was some crazy son of a bitch, a real guy who skied off a cliff with a parachute on his back and, uh, and made it. It's, and that, you know, the backstory of it where they had like three or four cameras shut up and only one camera really got it mm-hmm. good. Uh, and so they couldn't cut, but it made it better. It was, I was, thank God they didn't have another footage. Yeah, that say, pack uh, director might've, might've cut. It's like know. a Hitchcock thing almost. Right. The fact, and there's no music. It's just, just like the wind whispering and you just think <laughs> uh, it, you'll never beat it. And now they, they do this and the Beach Boys start playing, except it's not even the Beach Boys. They didn't even pay the right, money. It's a cover. It's a cover of the Beach Boys song. Terrible. Watched it with Jonas, and Jonas, and as soon as that, that song kicked in, I didn't say anything. Jonas turned to me, and he goes, oh, my God, this is the worst James Bond music ever. <laughs> Why are they playing this Bahama music? Terrible. He called it Bahama music, which I love. <laughs> it's so bad. California Girls. I don't even understand totally. why it's California Girls. Why not one of their uh, surfing songs? Yeah, Surfing USA. Surfing USA. Something. Or surfing, I don't know. Surfing Safari. Surfing Safari. Who cares? It's something. Else. Anyway. Why in the world not? I mean, this is bad. All this right. So so let's let's go over what's bad because there are some good things in this. So bad is is that what did you think of the, the, the car chase where the car is – first of all, I liked some of the car stunts that they did, but the, then getting chopped – one way and chop the roof off, then you're just the front wheels riding around. That's like embarrassing. Yeah, because it's it's physically impossible. Cars don't do that. It's, emba- it's, so it's embarrassing. I mean, not that cars can do everything that James Bond cars have done over the years, but it's so clearly that they couldn't. Like, just, example, it almost feels like like driving around in a little half car like that would be like like if he dropped his trousers and put his thumb in his mouth and kind of like trudged across. It's like humiliating. You don't want right. to wind Com- up like compare that. Compare and contrast with the stunt in The Man with the Golden Gun oh. where Bond is in the AMC Hornet yeah. and drives off the Curly Cube Bridge yeah. and does the twist in the air. Cool stunt. Uh, and it's real. It was real. Preposterous in the story that the bridge would be configured exactly <laughs> such that Bond would even think he could do it. But the truth is that, yeah, exactly. There's a guy who did that. You know, that was like a part of a traveling stunt show and they did it for the movie. And, and so uh, I give it a pass. I give it a passing grade, you know, because it could happen. Whereas this stuff is just crazy. Terrible. It's just silly. It's uh, humiliating. Yeah, that's like, what I'm saying. It's humiliating. Right. I mean, it just it, it just seems fundamentally wrong that they would do anything that would make James Bond seem anything but cool. Right, and this was not cool. You don't wind up in with a half a car driving through a crowd of people with them looking at. It's just weird. 
Like that's not that's not cool. Like somehow I could see, you know, if he if he if he drove a boat up on land and just sort of walked out of it, that might be all right. It's not quite as good, but you know, the the best Roger Moore car stunt ending even though this is again ridiculous is chucking the fish out of the the uh the lotus yeah. when he somehow like I'll even give him a pat like somehow that's okay because it's so cool that he <clears throat> he 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 dry, he's driving this car out of the ocean just up on the beach that it, the fact that he chucks a fish out of it is not as humiliating anyway it's, it's what about the Duran Duran song now i i liked that song a lot then and i i still feel that it's a cool song today I agree. It's a good song. You know what my problem with is, though? My problem is that they play it again at the end of the movie. I know. They're, you're I supposed like to have goes, a different ending song. You've got to have a different ending song. Yeah. It's like they went too far in terms of, like, we've got the <laughs> hottest band of 1985, so we're going to play this song twice. I think the song holds up. I think it's it's 80s in a good way. Yes. The intro, it's, the whole intro with the, like, neon and the 80s colors and the neon. Yeah. That good really, credits. it was good yeah. credits. All downhill after there. Yeah. I thought of you when they were in the Eiffel Tower restaurant. I thought of you with the, <laughs> the detective what? he was talking to. Uh-huh. He died instantly with the hook in his cheek. <laughs> you're right. Like, right? Because you're, you're thinking, now Instant I see death. it every time it happens where somebody, somebody <laughs> gets poisoned and just drops over. <laughs> right. Like it's a button that you push yeah. just to unhook the guy. Exposure to poison, dead. Right. Like it's like when you kick the kick the the plug out of your computer and it just all goes <laughs> goes out like the power went out and what a cockamamie way to kill somebody i know i mean and like you know what i mean if you're gonna go with an, a cockamamie way to kill a guy it ought to be cool yeah like it is not cool to have a fishing hook and perhaps <laughs> it's really bad bad now here so here's the thing we're talking about mayday here grace jones grace jones has mayday now there's some weird, very weird Bond girl villain. Really, she's the. I mean, although you've got Christopher Walken as Zorin, and and I, personally, I can never find fault with a Christopher Walken performance ever. It, this is one where you won't get close. Yeah, it's not his best performance. Really, really, not a good performance, and just but but not a good, not a well written character. No. But he, but but Grace Jones in Mayday. I just I felt you know as a kid I remember again I loved this movie as a kid so a lot of the reason why I enjoyed watching this was because nostalgia as you mentioned I I think that Grace Jones is maybe the other redeeming part of the film yeah, that she's, she's good. An and and in a way that she's she is she is 1985 oh yeah Grace Jones in 1985 is I mean you know you could just say if you wanted to say like give me give me an idea of 1985 and I'd say there you go Grace Jones now remember when she picks the guy when uh the uh she picks up the KGB guy over her head there yeah. at the when they're at the racetrack and she picks him up over her head effortlessly and she's holding him there just holding him straight up arms extended posture is fine no straining at all did wouldn't it have been cooler somehow if she'd gotten him into a full Nelson and he couldn't move and it was effortless for her? Like to me, that would have been cooler. Is the fact that this this tall, strong woman just gets a KGB agent into a full Nelson or something, and he can't he can't even move her arm. She can't even bust yeah. out of it. Like that that would have been cooler somehow than just sort of standing there with him up over his head. It just seemed. 
part of the traditional Bond formula is the idea that there's A, a criminal mastermind, and B, the criminal mastermind has a top henchman right. who, who kills people with extreme proficiency. I believe, off the top of my head, that she is the first you know, top-level henchman who is, in fact, a henchwoman. And I, you know, kudos to them. And I think she's completely credible as a as a, uh, a killer. Yeah. So she wasn't bad. Cool, right. cool hairstyles. Now we get to one of the ultimately redeeming features of this movie: Tanya Roberts. You're Which not gonna. She? I, I, she's I, the main Bond girl. Oh my God, she's horrible. Love her. Oh, love oh, her. I, I had she, such a crush on her in the '80s with Sheena and everything else. Thought she was I the think, best. I can't shake it. I thought I'm not gonna fall for it again. It's 2011. You know, I'm. I'm oh, this is a. I think she's horrible. I think she ruins. Thought the movie. she was great. Loved her. I think she's both both a unattractive and b a terrible actress. I'll, I'll go. I'll go along with the acting. Really bad acting. But I thought, I, to me, she is the definitive 80s Bond girl. Definitive. I, I thought she was great back then, and I, I'm going along with it this time. I'm sticking. You know, I think one of the things that they lost, it. I think one of the ways they lost it, and, and we talked about this four or five movies ago, where some of the mid-70s Bond movies with, with Roger Moore had an 80s feel to them. Yeah. Right? Like the Lotus. Mm-hmm. That, that 70s Lotus really felt more like a car from the 80s. A lot of stuff like that. Like at their best, the the Roger Moore seventies movies had a lot of. They just seemed ahead of their times in certain ways. Whereas I feel like this, you can see it here with the View to a Kill. It is so utterly eighties, mm. right? That there's no, there is no mistaking it. There's no, no way that this Tanya Roberts looks like a chick from the nineties. Like she looks like like Miss nineteen eighty four. Oh, totally. But that's why I like her so oh, much. She's so bad. Oh, what was, great. what was she? What was her background? What was she like? A scientist? She was a geologist. Oh my god. Of course, a geologist. She's done all she could just to keep her house. Now she's got a check for five million, five large. What's she going to do with that? She's going to tear it up. That's what. She's very practical too. She there's a vase. You know what? I'm going to use my grandmother's urn, smash over the guy's head if I need to. No, I thought she was very practical. Really didn't like her. Remember the scene when you first met her when when he was at the uh, oh. Zorin stables. Kind of a cool looking estate. Yeah, James uh, James Sinjin Smythe. Right. Uh, I'm English. He, he breaks into. You know what? I have to admit though that that at that point though they are at least playing up what makes Roger Moore Roger Moore. Like yeah. Roger Moore looks like the type of English guy who'd be James Sinjin Smythe. Yeah. Uh, I'm but English. he goes into he breaks into Zoran's office and he finds his checkbook. And he takes out a gadget that can like show you like an imprint of what was written on it. Right. And it doesn't just show what was written. <laughs> it picks up the boilerplate from the check itself, the stuff that's printed on the check, right. like the bank name and stuff. Like, like what are they thinking? Yeah. Like, wouldn't the gadget just pick up what the ballpoint <laughs> pen had to press? And that would have been enough. That would have been enough. It would have had a name. It would have had the amount. Crazy. It's just so. It's so stupid. Did he get any cool gadgets from Q? Uh, Q himself has an incredibly cool gadget. It's a robot dog that he can use to, uh, in a very much a, a voyeur way, spy on people. Right. Just send in the robot dog. I did like the robot dog as a kid, and I, today I thought it was the worst. It was just the worst gadget ever. 
I didn't love everything about about that. I I, di- I do remember when I was a kid the whole rock salt the shotgun load of the rock salt. What a surprise that was! I remember how shocked I was. And he said, What's- "That's a good. That's a great. That's a good little bit of screenwriting in yeah. the James movie, right? That's that's that was a good little twist that you think Bond Bond thinks and we think he's killed these guys and, and just it ends get up right he's back just, up. He's just kind of giving them like a sting. <laughs> and I like that's how pretty- I like how James Bond says baboons. Maybe the baboons will come back. Why? I just why, had so much fun watching this movie. It was great. Why does Zorin have his secret chip fab underneath the stable? <laughs> like, why is there a trick door in the in the lab in the stable? I mean, it makes sense that the that the horse doping lab is underneath the stable. Yeah. That makes sense. Like, if you're going to have a secret horse doping lab, that you'd put it underneath the stable. But then, why then would the the chip fab be underneath the horse doping lab? Makes uh, no sense. I love it. It's that great that's, though. It's just and then cool. he's sitting there and they've got like a conveyor belt going by. It's like all of a sudden we're in an episode of I Love Lucy and she's chasing <laughs> the chocolates coming down the conveyor belt. No, you're right. It's like this ridiculous cartoon room where there's this conveyor belt with these old-timey uh, boxes <laughs> stuffed with hay. I mean, what the hell kind of computer chips are shipped stuffed with hay? It's ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. And then he has a, a window latch opener and it's it's from the sharper image. <laughs> That is so wrong. It's bad. It's right? bad. Like I can't help but wonder. I didn't look it up on Wikipedia. I don't know, but it started. That's what made me think that maybe they were like in budget problems or something. Like, but these movies were all hits. Like, and I almost not not to stretch the the comparisons, but I almost think it goes back to what we were talking about with Microsoft uh, uh, half an hour ago or yeah. an hour ago. Where how, how so the, the financial success at the box office of these latter. Roger Moore movies uh, masked the problems with, you know, that, that at a certain level they got to a point where they could just come out and say a new James Bond movie and people would go see it and, and it masked the way that they're just not bad films. Did you know I watched the theatrical trailer to this and the same guy who does the Optimus Prime voice Oh yeah, does the theatrical trailer to this? Huh. Oh, I have if, to watch that. Yeah, if you if you just just in YouTube, just say, you know, view to a kill theatrical trailer. It's uh, Optimus Prime doing it. So speaking of WWDC, then they end up in San Francisco. Yeah, and this is one of the few movies in this time period that w- was filmed there, and uh, somehow Bond manages to tie the Zeppelin to the Golden Gate Bridge. What about the car chase with the fire truck? I don't want to talk about it. That's a bad. That's I didn't a, like that at all. That was a bad car chase. Really Terrible. bad. Baboons. And May, so here's something weird. Mayday is left to die by Zorin, right? He knows she's going to die. He knows this. Yeah. He leaves. It's obvious he knows she's going to die in there. Then when, it, when they're flying around with the blimp and he's, he's flying around in the blimp and he looks out... <coughs> And he sees Mayday riding the bomb out. Mayday. And then she blows up and he's like freaked out. I mean, I understand part of the freak out was that his plan wasn't going to happen. But it, to me, I also interpreted that as him being like sad that Mayday was riding a bomb out. Right. But he left her there to die. So why is he upset? Why is he surprised? I didn't understand. I'm not a fan, I'm not a fan of the henchman turning, turning good at the end. Being redeemed? Right. 
Not a fan of it. You don't believe that that could happen? I'm not going to say that it couldn't happen. And I'm not saying that it couldn't work well in a Bond movie. But I tend to think that the henchman is somebody that Bond should kill. That that's a formula you shouldn't mess well, with. Well, and if, if you go back to earlier I can't help films. It think, and I can't help but think, too, that in a little bit, like in a way that they deserve credit for making it a woman, uh, that it's sort of because of she's a woman that they made her turn good. That it, was, it almost would have been more noble and more... Uh, uh, yeah, it's just better for the, you know, the, the the way that the role of women in society has changed since the Bond movie started, that if she had just been a badass who stayed a badass. Right, Oddjob like, didn't. I almost feel like if it was a man that they wouldn't have had that. Oddjob wasn't a turncoat, you know. Exactly. He was, he's like, he oh, down, we're going to, yeah, we're going down together, buddy. And and when he got locked into, that's a great comparison, because when he knew that he got locked in, that, that uh, Goldfinger locked him into the vault with the nuclear bomb, yeah. He wasn't even mad at Goldfinger. No, he was like, "Up, oh, going down with the sh- going down with the ship." Yeah, yeah, doing what I got to do. Just feel like that is a little bit of a uh, little, little uh, just you know, lack of respect for women. <laughs> that a woman couldn't be that bad to stay bad, right? Even when she was locked into a mine. And it, you know, it, another thing that reminded me is the whole cockamamie plot of sinking Silicon Valley into the water. It just seems like a ripoff of Superman. A double earthquake. Just seems like a ripoff of Superman with the uh, you know the first one with uh, uh, what's his name Gene uh, Gene Wilder. No, not Gene. <laughs> Gene Wilder would have been a good Lex Luthor. <laughs> uh, you know, but that was the plot. It wasn't quite the plot. He was going to sink all of California into right. the Pacific Ocean, but uh, but basically the same thing. Set off a nuclear bomb on the San Andreas Fault. And and meanwhile, you know, Superman swimming in a pool with uh, what's her name? Right. Please take off the rock. Stacy picked up by the blimp. Yeah, that, oh, that was horrible. That was horrible, too. Oh, when Stacy gets picked up by the blimp. Oh, horrible. I just, I just wrote, I, I just stopped writing notes. I just wrote disjointed and underlined. <laughs> All the right. whole thing at the end just felt disjointed. Yeah. Uh, I really did. And, and I don't know. Just, like, did they even have a screenplay? I wonder. Mm-hmm. Like, if they just, like, were, you a lot know, of put, put the guys in the blimp and uh, i did i did have such a good time remember you know this is like like if you were to go and find your old yearbook and you'd flip through the old year oh i remember that kid you know that that kid rode his bike right into the canal you know that kind of thing like you enjoy reliving the memories of you know of, you know, your, of, and of a bygone a shame, era i think it's a shame that roger moore's last bond movie was so bad that it was i think it's his worst one i really do i think it's his worst film and i think that's a shame because i think connery going out and Connery and, went uh, out well. He went out well, almost. Yeah, I think even with Never Say Never Again, he went out well. Uh, but if you count, it's only count the official ones. I think Diamonds Are Forever is is a fine Bond movie. A really disappointing movie. Now we go to Timothy Dalton. Now I know, I know that uh, these Timothy Dalton movies, I have, I know that I've seen at least a few of them. How many were the two? Were the two, just two, two, just two. I know I've seen one of them. I have no memory of these. These are going to be brand new to me, which is great because I remembered most of the Roger Moore movies, and I have no memory of this at all. No movie until uh, no memory until P- uh, Pierce Brosnan takes over. The shame of this is that they uh, gone from Netflix. That they kept the same director. All of the Bond movies from the eighties were directed by John Glenn, and I really think that it's by far the worst decade. Not even I don't even think there's any any question that the worst decade of Bond movies is the 80s and it's all the same director 
it just I don't know what he had on on Cubby Broccoli. Uh, I mean, maybe Cubby Broccoli really liked those movies. It just seems crazy to me, but that they didn't they didn't pick a new director when they replaced uh, Roger Moore in the role. Yeah, really disappointing. Because I really think uh, you know we'll see when we watch the movie. I, have, I think I've only seen each of them once recently when I did the the watch through two years ago. But uh, I remember my basic thought was Timothy Dalton was that. He was a potentially great James Bond with a very unique and serious take on the role, different than Connery, different than Moore, uh, caught in two very bad movies. So people cannot, they cannot get this from Netflix. Bond movies, let's just say this again. Bond movies are gone from Netflix. Maybe I believe they're, they're on iTunes, so you can watch them on iTunes. Can, I should can, watch it. I should think about it. I should watch that movie now because I won't be able to watch it. I don't know what we're going to do next week. Schedule. Yeah, what are we going to do? I don't know. We'll have to work it out. Well, we'll do something, right? Marco's going. He's he's going to do something. You think we can do anything? I guess. I don't know. We'll have to think about it. Well, we have to. Uh, I'm just saying bandwidth. Bandwidth could be a problem. You can phone it in again. Hmm? Maybe. Oh, we'll see. Maybe I'll phone it in. I don't know if I I don't have the see because I'm not set up in a real studio. I don't even have that box. That box is in a bo, is in a, in a truck in Orlando or something. Yeah. Well, we can't bored. let the people down. They're going to want to hear from it. And but yeah. we're talking about after WWDC, the week after. We don't want to announce this yet because it's not set in stone. But we we may have something something fun for the week after. But this Should week we, we get to do something. If we if if next week. If we only have time or, or bandwidth to talk about WWDC news, do you think we should? Uh, and we can't do Bond. Should we? We'll just postpone it a week, right? The we whole show or Bond? Well, the Bond. We yeah, we'll do post. A thing. Let's just plan right now. We'll say this: uh, no Bond next week. We'll say that ahead of time because it's too much with you traveling and you can't do it. Probably wouldn't hurt you to watch it in advance, but I'll watch it. All right. All right. Well, thanks. Have a great time at uh, WWDC. All right. See you there. iStockphoto.com slash 5x5 and uh, MailChimp.com. No, you won't, you won't see me there. Not in my dreams. <laughs> All right. Have a good one.